This podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary Kate. I'm a compulsive overeater and restrictor. Hi, Mary Kate. Hi. Um, so, 20 minutes is a long time to share, um, but watch me take like 30. So, um, let's see. I'm going to start with the usual format what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, luckily, people have done this before me and came up with a pretty nifty pat way of going about it. So, um, what it was like. I um, started using food as a coping mechanism probably when I was about 10. Um, I became a latchkey kid around that time, and um, it was really easy for me to eat after school when my mom and dad weren't home, and I was um, watching my little sister, who was six years younger than me, so she probably would have been about four. We were both um, in school. And, uh, you know, I I grew up in a house... um, my mom's an alcoholic. My dad is a compulsive overeater. Um, my mom's a compulsive overeater as well. Uh, a lot of checking out going on in um, my house. And uh, it was easy for me to get away with um, eating food in the house. No one knew who touched it, who had taken it. Nobody cared, I don't think, to be honest. Um, so I found out really quickly that I would be able to eat a bunch of food that I wanted to eat before my parents came home. And then I would sit through dinner and act like nothing had happened. Um, so that was a pattern that I continued up until my sorority days, but we're not there yet. Um, so yeah, from a very early age, learned to, um, sort of manage what was going on in my life with a substance. Um, you know, as a kid, I never felt like I fit in, which is something that you hear a lot in these rooms. Um, and never really understanding why either not getting um, what it was that everybody kind of seemed to get or not feeling like everybody else kind of got the handbook and I hadn't gotten a copy and, um, you know, I got teased. Um, I got teased, I think, obviously at a certain point I got teased for being heavy, Um, but before I was even heavy, I... um, I just got teased for being different, I think, and not getting it. I mean, it's funny. It's almost like this chicken-egg scenario where I felt like I didn't understand how to relate to people, and people could tell I couldn't relate to them. And so I got... To me, it seemed like I was constantly on the losing side of all that. So interpersonal relationships and other people have always been something that's been very triggering for me. Um, And like I said, I learned that I could kind of um, check out with food. So... Flash forward to, like, high school and college. Um, In high school, I started um, experimenting with drinking as well. Um, And I mentioned that only because it's part of my story. Um, And I like to let people know that I work two programs. I'm also a member of AA. So, um, but for for whatever reason, and I've heard this shared in the rooms, that eating is like the good girl addiction. There was just something about being someone who, like, drank and took drugs and was kind of living that wild lifestyle that, like, didn't sit well with me. I went to Catholic school, all-girls high school. You know, my parents were really conservative. I mean, it really blew everybody's hair back when I, like, snuck out one night in high school to go to a show in Hollywood, and I was, like, totally sober. There was, like, nothing really untoward going on except that we snuck out. Um, So I had pretty strict parents, and with that came, like, not a ton of ability to really lash out in a way that was not... I was never going to be overt about it. I always wanted to keep it secret. So eating for me was a way to um, be an addict, to be perfectly honest, and not um, get in trouble for it, quote unquote. Um, so when I went to college, I um, 
it was easier for me to get my hands on alcohol, obviously, but it was also easier for me to get my hands on food and to isolate and to um, really kind of develop sort of the independent relationship with food. I mean, when you're a kid, right, you're kind of eating what's in your parents' house or, you know, maybe you can get stuff like after school. But when you're on your own, you can really kind of like go to town. And to be perfectly honest, it was kind of exciting. Um, You know, I really was able to eat what I wanted when I wanted and no one was really noticing if I was able to kind of hide it. Um, But that is where the story gets really dark, right? I mean, most of us have probably been in that place where we're hiding food or we know that we're doing something weird with food or that first inkling that, you know, other people don't have the same relationship with food that we do um, all starts to kind of make it seem safer to keep it a secret. And it's funny because, like I said, you know, I started as a kid um, and it probably never occurred to me to come clean about what I was eating, but I, it was certainly sort of a live omission. You know, I was never going to tell my mom that I'd eaten a bunch of cookies before she came home and made dinner, you know. Um, so the secretive aspect of it and then sort of the independence of it was definitely something that I found in college. And then even into my 20s and, like, my working life, um, I uh, and I share this, too, because when I came into the rooms, it was really important for me to hear um, things, behaviors around food that I thought were really unique to me. So... I would drive across town in the middle of the night to go to a certain drive-thru. I would um, eat in my car in a parking lot um, because I'd ordered too much food for one person. I'd ordered mm-hmm. multiple meals. I would go through drive-thrus and I'd order the meals that came with the sodas and I'd get like three sodas so that people would think that I was like getting food for other people, right? I mean, I, I did crazy stuff with food. I, I pulled it out of the garbage can. I ate stuff that wasn't cooked fully. I ate stuff that was burned. Um, I mean, it's crazy. It was crazy. And, um, and like I said, coming in the rooms and hearing that other people had done that, people who looked normal and people who looked um, happy and weren't kind of a mess, it was very inspiring to me um, because I really did think that it was really, really weird. Um, so when I came into the rooms, I was 30, and... Um, I two things had happened in sort of quick succession that got me into Overeaters Anonymous. And I can't tell you where I'd heard of it or sort of when the seed was planted, but I knew that there was a program for compulsive overeating. And I don't know if I'd looked it up at some point or what, but um, I knew that there was a place that I could come. And the two things that happened were um, I was up visiting my sister and we had gone to breakfast, I think, and we were kind of trying to figure out what we were going to do for the day, and she was on the computer, like, looking something up, and I was in her kitchen, and I was, like, grazing on cereal, and I was eating this, and I was like, you know, do you want anything to eat, da, 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 and she was like, no, I'm cool, and she didn't say anything, I mean, it was, it was not at all her, I mean, um, but I, like, stopped almost, like, mid-bite, and was like, what am I doing, like, she's sitting there just being, like, a normie, because, of course, my sister, bless her heart, grew up the only normie in this, like, sea of crazy, but, um, you know, she's just, like, we ate, and she's done and I'm in here like still going and it seems weird right now you know I mean I had this moment of clarity where I was like this doesn't seem normal um I don't seem like the normal one in this scenario and then the second thing that happened actually was um it's not that funny but um that video of David Hasselhoff had come out the one where he's eating the burger when he's super drunk in the hallway and I was with some people that I knew socially they were like co-workers I think but I didn't know them that well um and we were watching it, and I was about, I literally was about to say, oh my god, haven't we all been there, right? Like, haven't we all been there? Like, 
fucked up on the floor eating a burger, like just. And I literally was like this close, and this guy who was in the group, you know, it was like like I said, a group of kind of like mixed people, and he was watching. He was like, "Oh my god, this is so disgusting," and I was like, "Right, disgusting," you know, like totally. That's what I was gonna say. Um, and for whatever reason, I had this this other moment of clarity, of being like. It is kind of disgusting, like that, right? Like, I, why didn't I think about that? Like, why was I about to use this as like a bonding moment when most people are just like, "Dude, this guy's got problems." I'm like, right? So that was pretty enlightening. So for whatever reason, um, and of course, you know, layered onto this, I was also hitting bottom. So all these things together um, got me into a meeting, and when I came in, I was, um, I was sad. You know, I was really sad, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and, you know, a lot of us come in, and it's funny, like I mentioned that I work two programs, um, and there are very few people in AA who have been an alcoholic for, like, 30 years, 40 years. I mean, there are people who are, like, my age, for example. There are people who have been alcoholics that long, but they're much older than me. Um, this is something that I have had for the majority of my life, and that I've been battling for the majority of my life, um, and I'm not that old, right? So... It's just something that I've had since a very, very young age. And um, when I came in, like I said, I heard stories that um, I could really relate to. And I saw people who looked normal and happy and all these things that I really thought that I couldn't have because of this other thing that was going on in my life. So um, I came in and I started going to meetings and I met um, other people in the program. I got a sponsor. Um, like I said, when I came in, I was just like, I'm a mess. I don't know what to do. Give me direction. And so, um, you know, I got my workbook. I started working my steps and all that good stuff. And, um, and you know, it starts off with your life being unmanageable. And my life was really unmanageable. And I knew it. Um, but I didn't know what to do. And so the thing that's so great about the steps is it kind of just sets you on this map of um, – starting to just get it organized, you know, I mean, I had gone so long, just, I wanted to check out of everything that was happening in my life, I didn't want to have to show up for my job, I didn't want to have to show up for my relationships, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I flaked on events so I could stay home and eat, like, that was a reality, like, I would walk away from people so that I could nurture my addiction, that is what that was, um, you know, I didn't want to have to show up for my family. I didn't want to have to show up for anybody. I didn't want to have to do it because it was too hard. Um, so when I got here, I was like, I need I need help just figuring out how to get started, you know? And the first step is, is just getting out of whatever it is that you're addicted to, right? Like peeling away the chemical part of it. Um, and then getting hopefully enough clarity and space to look around and be like, okay, here's where I am. And just like kind of drawing a line in the sand is like, you know, a moment in time. It's like, here's where I am. This is my life right now. Now I get to look at how I got here and how I want to move forward. And that's kind of what, for me, the steps have been so far is kind of, um, you know, they talk about cleaning up, up the wreckage of your past, which is a very um, dramatic statement. But it's true. I mean, and it's not always obvious wreckage, you know. Sometimes it's stuff that... Um, that you thought wasn't a big deal that comes up for you when you're working the steps. Sometimes it's stuff that you thought you already kind of put to bed that still comes up. Sometimes it's things that you, sometimes it's things that you thought were so obviously wreckage that your sponsor is going to be like, oh, you're finally the one who like can't get this because <laughs> like this is so bad that you're finally the one who wasn't going to be able to get recovery. And you know your sponsor is like, I don't think you have to make an amends for that. 
or I don't think you have to, you know, worry about that. And it's just like, you know, so the thing about recovery that's so amazing too is sometimes the twists and turns and surprises. But um, like I said, just getting in here, getting people who understood, feeling like I had some place to go, people who get it, um, and then working with those people and seeing what works for them. You know, it's really important, I think, to look at people who have what you want and ask them how they're getting it. And it seems easy and simple, but um, it's not always easy and simple. Um, And, you know, I think that... I think that this program will help you. I think the addiction is hard. Um, When I first came in to OA, I was like, it's just like AA, except it's food, not booze. And, um, you know, I do think it's hard. If I'm being honest, I think it's really hard that we have to eat and we have problems with food. Um, That seems to be kind of a really shitty deal, you know. Um, But it is the deal that I was dealt. Um, And... You know, I first came in, too, I had my... There's just this progression of, you know, being resentful and angry and, like, not wanting to have to come to meetings or spend all my time, you know, reading literature and doing step work and, like, this is hard and I don't want to and why can't I just be normal, you know? Like, all these things that I kind of wanted my whole life. But the thing is, is that there are a lot of things about me that are amazing that are part of me because of who I am. Um, There are a lot of things that I get to do because I'm in recovery that, like, normies don't get to do. You know, they don't get to call up people from their past and say, I did something really wrong to you, and now I get to apologize for it and make it better. Like, there are a lot of normies who should do that, in my opinion. But, um, you know, these are things that sometimes seem like chores or challenges that end up being real gifts. And, um, you know, all I can say, too, about what it's like now is... um, I wouldn't have the life I have without being in program. I wouldn't have the relationships I have. I wouldn't have the job that I have. I wouldn't have the self-esteem that I have and the, um, just like the joy of living that I have if I hadn't come into program and I wasn't working the steps. Um, you know, I, a lot of people come into these rooms and they say that they, part part of being at their bottom was that they were suicidal. I wasn't suicidal. I didn't care enough to be suicidal. If I got hit by a bus, wouldn't have fixed me. Wouldn't have had to pay off my credit card that month. That, to me, is the same thing as being suicidal. But I was too checked out to even know what it looked like. So the idea that I don't have to not care about my life anymore is like huge and with that comes the responsibility of caring about my life so the flip side of this of course is that once you're out of the food once you're working the steps you're present for what is going on around you and you have now the ability to choose how you show up for it um which is a blessing in a lot of ways but it's also challenging for those of us who have taken a lot of time and energy to not have to um show up for these sorts of things um and it's a learning you know like I realize that my um emotional age is much younger than my year age in a lot of ways and um that makes sense because I you know tried to check out for a while there um during developmental time and now I get a second chance at learning all the things that I was either too afraid or too addicted or too whatever to learn the first time around. Um, And sometimes there are things like how to play nice or how to share or things that are, um, you know, the grade school cliches. Um, 
sometimes I still need to learn how to do those, you know? Um, and, but like I said, I have the opportunity to do so. And when I was in the food, I didn't have any opportunities at all. Um, I maybe thought I did, or I maybe acted like I did, and I maybe would have made sure that you knew that I did, but I didn't because I was a slave to something bigger than me. And, um, I will always be a slave to it if I don't turn to something bigger than myself for it. So for me, that is a higher power um, that I redefined. I did mention Catholic school in my share. So I, um, one of the things that I enjoyed the most about working the third step was being able to kind of redefine my higher power in a way that worked for me. Um, and at the end of the day, it seems really simple, but my higher power has my back and wants me to be happy, and that's it. Like, that is all... Like, we'll always be there to take on what I can't and to help me out and doesn't judge me and just wants me to be happy. Um, and it's a relief to be able to lean on something like that, you know? It's a relief to not have to take it all on. Um, you know, I'm in a moment right now where I'm um, interviewing for new jobs that I'm actually really excited about. And it's an exciting time, but it's also scary because change is hard and, you know, it means that I'm going to have to give notice at some point if I leave and there's a, you know, I'm sort of emotionally embroiled with my boss currently, which is one of the reasons it's time to go. And, um, you know, there's a lot about it that feels icky because it's feelings and it's things outside of my control and it's stuff that I don't like. But at the end of the day, I don't have to worry about it. Like I get to go home and just say, you know what? Like, my job today was to show up and, like, do my work and not be an asshole. <laughs> and, like, mostly I did that, you know. Um, and that's really all I have to do. You know, I show up at my meetings and I do my step work. I talk to the people who um, get where I'm coming from. I, I call people when I need to get talked down off a ledge. I talk to people when they need to be talked down off a ledge. I'm of service. And, um, you know, if it's... If up here it's all about me, that means I'm not making it enough about everybody else. Because I'll tell you this, my problems are small in scale outside of my own head. Um, so, yeah, I think on that note, I will just say, um, program saved my life. If you're here, it can save yours too. Keep coming back. Um, if you didn't hear anything in here that you can relate to, go to another meeting and hear someone else share. Um and uh, just know that this is one person who's super, super grateful for the gifts of the program. And, uh, you know, you have to show up and you have to do the work to get the gifts, but they're there. And really, they're yours to lose. So hopefully you guys will keep coming back. And thank you very much for having me speak.